0: On this Transfiguration of Our Lord Sunday, we juxtapose the illumined Christ on that mountaintop with the Christ that would jump into a boat on the lake, on the sea, and go fishing. Our lesson, our second gospel lesson, is from the Gospel of Luke. We are in the fifth chapter, so I invite you to grab your Bible or go to your favorite Bible app on your phone. We'll read together Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once, while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowd from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Simon, Put out into the deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, we will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled their partners in the boat to come and help. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. Amen. A River Runs Through It chronicles the life of an early 20th century family in the American West. I watched it during my first semester at Columbia Seminary. I was on this kick of watching movies that I should have seen in my childhood, but I had not. I remember sitting in my apartment being amazed by the natural beauty of Montana. If you have ever been to the upper Midwest or you've seen the movie, then you know How the rivers there are a million shades of deep blue. And how they reflect the vastness of the sky as it mirrors turning towards the heavens. And how the vapor that rises from them toward those heavens betrays the chill of the mountain air. I remember being enthralled by the rhythmic precision of the fly fishermen as they made their lines into mesmerizing lassos Above their heads before ever so gently laying their flies on the flowing surface of the river. I remember loving the fact that the patriarch of the central family in the movie was a Presbyterian pastor. I'm going to be one of those one day. And I'm going to look as rough and cool as the fella in this movie does in his Tilly hat. I made the mistake of telling my father about my love of a river runs through it. And How I daydreamed that when I was a Presbyterian pastor and and I had a ton of free time on my hands, I would steal away to fly fish on whatever river I had landed most closely to. My father is a great encourager of dreams. We need those sort of people in our lives, people that encourage our dreams, do we not? So when Christmas rolled around, I got two fly rods from Santa and some flies And when my birthday rolled around, I got waders and a fishing vest and some more flies and a hat and a fly fishing lesson from a local shop in the upstate of South Carolina. So I was totally prepared then for my first trip to fly fish on my own. I had a lesson. I was somewhat confident in my abilities and my father had made sure that at the very least, I looked the part of a seasoned fly fisherman. I got on a mountain stream in northern Greenville County early. I picked the fly that the guide had earlier told me would work best on that river. And with my very first cast, I caught a gorgeous mountain trout. It had to have been 10 inches long. It it probably weighed six plus pounds. That's a lie. My first cast landed in a tree, along with a number of other casts. Some 15 minutes later, about my 10th cast, I finally had that fly land on the river where I desired it to land. I spent all day fishing that river, moving up and down its banks, trying to find the perfect spot. And you know how many fish I caught that day? Zero. Now, if one would have happened upon me on that stream, seen me in my Orvis hat with my brand new waders and my cool vest and my polarized sunglasses, one might have thought, I bet that guy knows what he's doing. I bet he's reeling them in left and right. But the truth is that sometimes you can fish all day and come up empty. Amen? Simon Peter would have said Amen. Him and his friends, they, they were worn out when Jesus decided to come and commandeer their vessel. They were washing their nets on the shore, worn out from an entire night spent on the water, probably frustrated that their hard work had profit, profited them exactly zero fish. And then Jesus comes down to the water's edge, hops in Simon Peter's boat, and asks him to take him a little ways from shore so that he can teach the crowd that has gathered in closely, hungry to hear the word of God. Simon Peter has been tossing nets out into that same water all night, trying to catch some fish. He's thrown them out and then reeled them back in over and over and over, and every single time they have come back empty. I don't know about you, but when I imagine those who fished in the time of Jesus, I have this vision of the gruff captains from the deadliest catch those gruff people that had been hardened by their work on the water hardened by early mornings and late nights in my mind they always looked like the sort of fisher fishermen of whom one might say they know what they're doing i bet they're reeling them in left and right i bet their nets are chalked full But how many fish does the author of Luke tell us that Simon Peter and his fellow fishermen caught? Zero. None. Because the truth is, sometimes you can fish all night and come up empty. Sometimes we see this truth in the beauty of a growing child. Earlier this week in our staff meeting, we were doing Lectio Divina around this text. And Jacob shared a story of his daughter trying with all her might to crawl, to lift herself up, and then to move across the ground. Later he would tell us that Addison, after a little ways, would, would fall back to her belly, afraid and more comfortable closer to the ground. He said, I've been watching her for a while and she can't make progress. She is working as hard as she can and she's coming up empty. The truth is that each of us, we can fish all day and all night and come up empty. I've seen this happen in various different ways in the world. I've seen this happen in romantic relationships. I've seen people fish for years in marriages. I've seen them do counseling, weekends without the kids, you name it. I've seen couples do everything that they are supposed to do, and yet they come up empty. I've seen it happen for young people, for middle schoolers, for high schoolers who fish for years in the waters of acceptance where coolness is currency. I've seen young people make decisions about their hearts and their bodies in search of acceptance, and yet they come up empty. I've seen it happen in people's spiritual lives as well. I've seen people say, if I just prayed more or if I just spent more time in Scripture, if I just believed more, I'd feel like God was actually a part of my life. I've seen people try with all their heart and come up empty. I've seen it happen in careers. I've seen people spend years in jobs that do not fulfill the wantings of their soul, but who have imagined that the money or the title, the status would make it worth it, and yet they come up empty. I've seen it happen with parents and their children, parents pouring blood and sweat and tears into the life of a child, trying to turn them around, to put them on the right track, and yet they come up empty. I've even seen it happen in churches. I've seen elders and volunteers give their all to a program, to a mission project, to a stewardship effort, and yet they come up empty. The truth is that it happens to you, and it happens to me, and it happens to all of us. The cautionary tale, of course, is that when we come up empty in our lives, we sometimes decide to fill those empty nets with other things. We fill our nets with materialism and vanity. We fill our empty nets with risky behaviors, even affairs. We fill our empty nets with apathy and even resentment. We fill our empty nets with things that promise nourishment for our souls, but in the end cannot make good on their promises. And we end up as those people standing on the shore, cleaning our nets, packing it in, just like Simon Peter. We get out of our boats and we imagine that we have left them behind. And then Jesus makes his way onto the boat. He says to Simon Peter, Put out a little farther from shore, please. This crowd is pressing in on me. I need some space. Simon Peter has been out there all night long, and he thinks he knows what's in that water. He thinks he knows. Until when Jesus is done with his preaching, he says to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water and let down your nets. Simon Peter thinks he knows what is in that water, but Jesus knows something different. Simon Peter can't see into the deep water. He can't see everything that's going on below the surface. He can't imagine how much holy work is happening just beyond his sight. Beloved, I believe that's how God is at work in the world. Sometimes we can't see everything that is going on below the surface of the deep and holy water. Jesus wants Simon Peter to go to deeper water and he wants the same for you and for me. And so Simon Peter says to Jesus, Master, we have worked all night long and have caught nothing. And then he says something That becomes crucially important. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. And this line, this is the hinge on which the story turns. Indeed, it is the hinge on which Simon Peter's entire life turns. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. Beloved, what if we said such a thing to God? I've done everything I can do in this relationship, yet if you say so. I've tried as hard as I can with this child, yet if you say so. I struggled with my faith, yet if you say so. I'm afraid to imagine a career shift at this point in life, yet if if you say so. We are worried about imagining a new way to do church in this season. Yet if you say so. For Peter, everything changes when he casts his net into deeper waters. The scriptures tell us that he begins to pull it back in and there are so many fish that he has to call to his partners in the other boat to come and share in the bounty of what God has provided in the moment. So what do you think it would look like to be drawn to deeper waters, personally and communally? What would it look like for you to cast your net into deeper waters? What would it look like for the church to cast our nets into deeper waters? What would it look like to foster an environment where we teach and challenge our youngest to tell us about the deeper waters in which they feel called to fish. Idlewild Presbyterian Church knows what deep water fishing is about. But where might God be calling us still deeper? Jesus was calling to Simon Peter, and he is calling to you this morning. Indeed, he is calling each of us to deeper water. Deep water is where the holy desires us to go. I pray that you and we together will be willing to display the faithfulness of Simon Peter. I pray that faith will allow us to know that God is at work in the depths beyond where we can see. And I pray that together we might go deeper with Christ. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. May it be so for you, for me, for each of us, and for the church. Amen.